Hello, and welcome to the Health and Well podcast. Today, we have Tammy Adams, who is a certified coach and specializes in grief recovery. She loves to solve problems, inspire, and motivate others who are ready to commit to change. She has spent over 30 years in the yield the field of education, infant to post-secondary, and teaches individuals to challenge and conquer their limiting beliefs and insecurities to create the life of their choosing. Tammy has such a gift when it comes to unresolved grief, and it can limit an individual's capacity for happiness. And she helps support people through the pain and isolation caused by an emotional loss of any kind when it comes to the happiness that feels like it's no longer existing. Tammy has helped me to unpack the baggage and put a smile on my face. And that is why she is on this podcast today. I hope that you guys really enjoy the special episode. And if there's anything that comes from this episode, just take it and just let it sit with it and just let's see what comes up for yourself. I hope that you really enjoy this. Hello, and welcome to the Health and Well podcast. I am here with Tammy Adams, who is a coach practitioner that specializes in grief recovery. I am so excited to chat with you today. Um, I know we just had like a little bit of a chat prior to you coming on here, but this I think is going to be a podcast that people are going to definitely listen to over again, because this I think that we are dealing with so much grief in the world, especially when I'm talking to new mothers and not only new mothers, but people who have lost a lot of businesses because of the pandemic the past few years and just feel like a wholly a different person. And it's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's like it's hard to connect with the person that you used to be. So thank you so much for coming on this podcast. I am so excited to dive in with you. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much for having this conversation, because like you say, I think it's so important, especially now. You know, there's so much grief going on that we don't even know is grief. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. But like before we dive in, let's just talk about you, Tammy Adams, who you are. Maybe like, you know, just like so people can really understand like that, like, you know, who you are prior to being a grief counselor, but then what also brought you into doing this? Because like, you know, many people probably think like, oh, it's like from death or something like you just want to help other people. But I think that you have a different story about that. It's uh, it's a windy road. It's a windy road as we kind of find that spot that we've been searching for. And I spent over 30 years in the field of education. I started out as a nursery school teacher. I did enrichment programs for elementary, managed a school-to-work program at the high school level, and I ended my career teaching at the post-secondary level. And while I was doing that, a kind of parallel to my education, my educational career, um, I worked in human resources. So I did recruitment, career development, training and development. So the two kind of went parallel back and forth. And somebody asked me this week, you know, how did you find your way here? Like, I, I don't understand how you got there. And I said, well, it doesn't matter if it was education, it doesn't matter if it was human resources. I found I was really bound by policy and procedure. So I just, I couldn't get someone where they would like to be because policy and procedure dictated that was as far as I could go. And so that's kind of how I found myself in this entrepreneurial world. I thought, okay, I'm going to take my training and my experience and I'm going to bring it to um, this coaching business. And how I found myself with grief recovery was I was actually coaching a client who was really stuck. They couldn't move forward. And someone suggested that I look into the grief recovery method program. And, you know, I said, no, no, that's not for me. You know, I don't go to funerals. I don't go to the cemetery. You know, I'm just, I'm not comfortable in that whole sector. I said, no, no, I think you misunderstood this. This isn't where I need to be. But I called the company. I talked to them. They said, you're already doing it. You just don't know. But you need the training to make the connection. And so that's how I found myself here. It was kind of an extension to my coaching business. And yet it's so weird because 
I was kind of that person that would show up a couple weeks after a death had occurred. And I guess I'm still that person who shows up a couple weeks after everybody else goes home. But as we talked just before we came online, grief is so much more than the death of a loved one. Absolutely, it includes that. But with over 40 reasons why someone may grieve and those some of those you know, our choices that we made that were in our interest. And they were things that we think should be happy, moving, like you say, having a baby, starting a career. Um, And so now I just feel so comfortable in this sector because it's a way of supporting people to the other side. Oh, that's uh, so good. So let's like dive into this. Like, what yeah. is grief? What is grief? We'll start there and like kind of work our way because I'm obviously really interested in like understanding like what grief is and especially for people that don't connect like to that emotional pain that really understand what that emotional pain of grief is or grieving is. So what is grief? I think that's a really good place to start because then we're all speaking the same language. We're all coming from the same definition. So I would like the listeners to think there are five areas to grieving. So the first one is an emotional loss of any kind. That's the one that we're most familiar with. But it's also the conflicting feelings that come up when we experience a change in something that was familiar. It's all those things that we wished had been better, different, we had more time. It's about our unrealized hopes, dreams, and expectations. And most importantly, it's the things that remained left unsaid, Mm -hmm. right? So we're trained to push this down and not be honest with how we're feeling. And all of those unresolved emotions just accumulate and accumulate and accumulate until we just reach this breaking point. So because there's these five levels to grief and people really aren't aware of that, so many people will call me and say, you know, I'd love to do your program, but no one I know died. But yet, as we talked about earlier, you know, so many things, moving, graduating, um, getting a promotion, missing a promotion, having a financial windfall, having a financial loss. Like it doesn't matter. There's both, both sides to every coin. Totally. I want to add to that because like now I understand it so much more, but like my mom, like, like we called it like, Oh, she just was so sad when both my sister left. Cause like we both left around the same time within two weeks. Uh, like, and so she became more of an empty nester and she had a hard time dealing with that. And so now I know it's, if she's grieving, I just thought she was just being like, Oh mom, like you're just being emotional, but she's <laughs> just like, no, I'm having such a hard time. And so that was such a, that, that made me start connecting like, wow, she was actually grieving, which I now feel bad because I wasn't there for her, but that's another thing. And grieving like your old life, they used to have becoming a new mom and like, you know, not thinking of what it used to, you know, like not having that freedom and flexibility like you used to, you're tied down to this like little person, like demanding your attention day in, day out. And so, yeah, it's there's so much about grief that uh, I really am excited to unpack with yourself. And so with that said, you know, does grief show up even when we make the best decision for ourselves? I want to talk about that one because that's like such a big question because like, you know, I can say that I've been like, for the past few years, I've been trying to make the best decisions for myself, like, you know, following my heart, following these dreams that I've built in my head. And, you know, even though I'm trying to make the best decision for myself, it's not showing up the way I thought it would. And so that is a very tough pill to swallow because it's like that. Obviously, I start you start losing faith in yourself. You start start losing confidence in yourself, like everything that you used to be or try to portray. You're not you're having a hard time identifying like like which then you just like are like, what's the point of that? this anymore. You start going down that path. So can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. Um, from a mindset perspective, our body wants to do two things. It wants to complete the story. So as you said, well, maybe it didn't turn out exactly the way we wanted it to. But if we keep looping and looping and looping about the didn't turn out the way we wanted it to, we miss all these amazing opportunities that are presenting themselves 
But because we didn't complete the unresolved emotion around the disappointment, we, we can't even see this stuff. You know, we're just constantly, constantly. The other thing our body does is it wants to rewrite the ending. Yes. Because, you know, our bodies really do want to finish this chapter before we move on to the next. But because we don't have the tools, because we've been processed to, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, you know, stiff upper lip and all that kind of stuff, we never really process those emotions that are coming up. And so we keep going back over and over again, trying to rewrite something that's already happened instead of looking it straight in the eye. Okay, what do I own? What does someone else own? How do I complete that? So yeah, I can turn over this way and look at all these amazing opportunities. And I don't know if this is the appropriate place to put this in, but I think it fits. I I often liken grief to chronic pain. So chronic pain is debilitating. It controls every aspect of our life. It's a limitation. Um, You know, we're only able to do what our physical pain will allow us to do. So I kind of equate grief to that in the fact that it's all controlling, it's all consuming. Like I say, we can't even see these other doors. Yeah. Then when you process these emotions, you will still have waves of, you know, sadness or waves of loneliness or whatever. That's not grief. That's more what I equate to acute pain. You've got a headache, you twist your ankle, perhaps you break your leg. It's uncomfortable, but you know it's not a destination. If you just allow yourself to observe, to witness, to be aware, and to let those emotions flow through you, you get to again, turn and look at the other doors that are there waiting to be opened. So grief is such a normal process of facing disappointments, regrets, you know, lost expectations. But because we're conditioned to just push it away. Yeah. hundred percent. That That's the mind fuck in this. Because, and I, I don't have a better word for it because, you know, when you're as an entrepreneur, as a personal, like, or when you're doing personal development, you know, you're taught to, you know, keep grinding, keep hustling, don't give up, like work harder, work smarter, like doing all these things. And even though you're trying to check all the boxes as you do it, you know, at what point, like, are you like, then you get yourself on this hamster wheel of like, well, when do I get off of this? Because it's not working anymore. And that's the part where for so long, I think that I was, you know, trying to push through because, you know, if I felt it, then like, then that's when you get lost in and you'd have those bad days and you let that, like all that stuff control yourself. But if you worked at it, then you would, it would distract you from the pain that you're actually feeling all the stuff that you're actually feeling. You're not going to allow yourself to feel like that because you don't have time to feel like that. So you start pushing it down the pushing it away. And then you're like, then, then you're like, come to a point of crossroads where you're like, I don't know what to do anymore. And like, that's where I came to. And I just basically had to like, it was only you that I was able to understand. Like, you're like, yes, Amanda, you're going through grief. Like when I made a video that one day, you're like, Amanda, you're feeling that's exactly what you're feeling. And then that's when it felt good to feel like you're understood, but it took so long to get there. It took like a lot longer than you like it to get there. So I want to just ask to you that like, you know, how can you navigate like where you're not trying to don't have a good word for this but cave into your emotions because like sometimes like you're like oh maybe I'm just being um a little emotional that day or maybe I'm just or like but how do you know the difference of like what when to like do something about it I think when to do something about it is when it's it's all consuming that's all we think about. That's all we talk about. We talk to our existing friends. We tell the same story. We meet yes. new friends. We tell the exact same story. And you just touched on something that 
you know, I spent years in the positive uh, thought movement. And yes, there's some really good tools in that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not really putting it down, even though it sounds like I'm about to. But my biggest beef with positive thinking is they train you. You're having a negative thought. Just flip it. Yes. Flip it to a positive thought, right? But if you don't acknowledge the negative emotion, if you don't acknowledge what's trying to get your attention, well, it's got to keep turning the volume up higher and higher and higher until eventually it can affect us on a physical level. So my tweak to the mindset thing is if something's trying to get your attention, don't just replace it with a positive thought. See what that is, whether it's journaling, whether it's just being aware of what you're talking about. If it's kind of that acute conversation, that acute thought kind of came, it went, kind of flew through you. Okay, you're just maybe having a bad moment. Maybe somebody's pushed your buttons, whatever. But when it becomes all-consuming, all-consuming, where you you lose focus, you can't sleep, you can't eat, um, that's when you know, you know, maybe I'm more of a steam kettle with a cork in my spout, mm. and I need some help in releasing this pressure that's building up inside of me. That's such a great way to say all that, because when... I, I'm bringing myself, you're going to see um, like health and Guelph, uh, my community that you're going to see that I keep talking about like my experience because I literally went through all this. And that's why I wanted to have Tammy on here is because like anything she's saying is like, because I did the work, I did the personal development. I knew the journaling, knew the meditation, knew the yoga, knew to just like go work out, knew all these things, but the the noise was not ever diminishing. It got to the point where like I would wake up and cry. I would go for a walk, call my mom because I needed to talk to somebody. And like I, when it was on like one of the snowiest days where we were having a snowstorm and I was just walking and I was just like inconsolable crying where I'm like, mom, I think what I am doing is actually grieving. And she didn't really get that. She didn't really understand. She knew and like, in like the baseline of everything that I was going through, but even though I said like, why I think it's grieving, she still wasn't on the same page as I was. And so what I have to say about this, my next question is like, you know, like it's something that's very difficult. I found for my family and some of my friends to understand like that I was like grieving and like, because I, when I didn't know how to talk about it to them, I kept saying the same thing over. And it's just like, you know, they're they you kind of get to a point where like they don't know what to say back and so I find that like many people if you don't even know you're grieving you're telling all these to like you're not going to find the people that really understand at least I've had I had a hard time with that and so to that like did is that a common thing that people feel like where they can't really connect with their loved ones partners spouses anything like that grief is one of the most natural of human emotions, but it's the most misunderstood. And it's the most misunderstood, not only by the griever, but by those people trying to support the griever. There was a study done, I think it was in 1989 or something, but they discovered there were 141 things that people say to grievers. And they are so common that you probably have a 95% chance of hearing 72 of them in the first couple days of your loss. But out of them, and I don't have it in front of me, but I think it's 11 are helpful. And for me personally, the, the one that I had to stop saying was, I'm sorry for your loss. We just don't have any tools. We don't have any tools to support people. So we just kind of shut them down or or deflect, right? And I couldn't understand why that one was such a trigger for grievers. But it's like, first of all, you're apologizing for something that you didn't do, right? So intellectually or from a heart level, it really doesn't make sense. And then it's like, well, no, I didn't lose them. I know where they are. They're right there. You know, especially at, if they're at the funeral, right? They're They're right there beside me. I know where they are. And so just changing that slightly to, I am so sorry that you are having to go through this. I can't imagine how hard this must be. Mm 
And then what that does is it opens the door to just be heard. But we are also conditioned to want to fix it, right? We want to judge. So think back to when you were in high school and your heart got broken. You know, your boyfriend dumped you and you're just crushed. And all your girlfriends are saying stuff like, well, you know, go get another boyfriend. Or he was such a jerk (laughs) anyways. Or he treated you terribly anyways, right? Mm -hmm. We don't need somebody to trash the person that broke our heart. We need that support. So it's almost like those of us that are supporting people need as much training as the people who are going through the loss themselves. And because we don't know how, we tend to just brush it off. Yeah, it's so true. And in those situations, I think people don't like they they don't know the right things to say. Like like you get so lost and you're trying your best, but it sometimes just doesn't come out the way you want. Like you get super awkward. And that's exactly I think because it's such a very vulnerable place to be in very for both the person that like is the griever and then the person that like wants to be the support it's just like you can, it's very unwaving like how to be there for that person so it's a tough situation to be in it's true and the other thing is grief is so individual so yes. if you and I were sisters and we both had a teacher we really liked and that teacher died we are going to experience mm-hmm. that grief a hundred percent based on our relationship with that yes. teacher. Right. And so now if you bring that into a family, so we were siblings and, and one of our parents has died. One of the things I see is there's so much judgment and criticism within the family members who are grieving because no one's going through the process the same because there is no such thing as stages to grief because we're it's all individual right and so you're grieving one way so let's say you are crying uncontrollably but I'm over here and I seem to have it all together and I've kind of stepped into this administration role where I'm trying to organize things that sort of thing take care of business Well, now we can look at each other and say to one, well, like you're overreacting. Well, you're not reacting at all. And yet we're grieving in our own way. And I think that's, again, when we don't understand grief, we tend to judge people or we try to fix the situation. Like I said, yeah. Oh, man, that's a hundred percent. That's exactly it. Like. And because it's so individual, people's reactions, it's like, and there's a lot of unspoken communication happening, but there's so much communication happening at the same time. It's just like the interpretation of how we're, how we're processing is completely all over the place. So that can also be a bone of contention to everyone's just trying their best at the end of the day to help each other out. But that's when a lot of stuff gets like broken or miss or misaligned. Um, Can I just jump in a little bit on the five stages of grief here? Because Yes, let's go there. I think that that we're on this thought process now. 100%. I was looking looking at it. I was like, yeah, you lead the way, girl. (laughs) Well, you know, I put that out there just a minute ago. And I said, there are no stages. And I I could even feel, you know, people going, wait, 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 wait. Yes, there are. There's the five stages, you know, there's denial, there's anger, there's acceptance and Um, The five stages of grief were actually designed by a woman by the name of Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, and they were designed for someone with a terminal illness. So it makes sense. You want to bargain, you know, trying to get out of this diagnosis that you've been given. But she herself said, do not use this to support a griever. That's not what it's meant for. And yet everyone who's in the counseling field is taught the five stages of grief. And so then we try to force fit people into these five stages. And yes, they're not linear. They're all over the map. But the goal is to move towards acceptance. And so you know, when I when I did this process, like when I did the training, I used to be a career coach and I wrote a manual. It says right in it, you know, the five stages of job loss. No, there aren't five stages because every single person who loses their job will react a different way. So there is no universal reaction. Now, there are symptoms. There are things that 
kind of illustrate it might be grief and we kind of touched on them you know a lack of focus lack of concentration not being able to eat not being able to sleep those sort of things um are kind of those nudges that perhaps you've got some unresolved emotions but we're all going to go through every single loss we have in a different way and not every loss we have will remain unresolved it's the unresolved ones that we really want to focus on. Yes. And I that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you. Another reason why I want to talk to you today is because like I think that like that's a big thing that many people are going through is like there's so much unresolved stuff that we're going through the, the through the pandemic. But also if you're becoming a mom, you know, or if you've like had some job like problems with challenges, losses you know, you're not where you want to be. Like a lot of that is like a lot of unresolved stuff or just like, you know, going through something and you didn't, you're not getting out what you wanted to say to certain individuals or loved ones or spouses or partners or whatever. So that's a really huge one. I think that really holds us back from really understanding the pain that we're feeling. I'm not, and please correct me if I'm wrong in any of this. Like, this is just like, you're good. Yeah. But like, I think that, you know, uh, one other thing I want to talk about is like the unresolved, but also the emotional pain, like, because there's a pain that that, like really that I think we have a hard time letting go of. There's a really, there's a pain that like, we don't even understand where it's coming from, how, and the body goes, the body feels the pain too. Like my back, like the, where like my shoulders are, my traps, like for the longest time, I could not get rid of this pain, no matter how much if I saw an acupuncturist, a chiropractor, massage therapy, physio, like I did a number of stuff to try to help myself. But there's a pain that we feel that is like, and I think it's because mine was so much unresolvedness that was happening around me. Can you talk about that emotional pain that people might like so that they understand what that means and what that feeling is and the signs and the symptoms that happen from it? Well, I think it's that that whole thing that we, you know, we talk about on the whole holistic side of things, you know, you get a nudge and you get a whisper, but if you don't hear the nudge and you don't hear the whisper, well, then you're going to get the sledgehammer kind of over. And what happens with these unresolved emotions is they collect in your body. They collect in the cells of your body. They kind of get stored around your heart, but they get stored in your body and that physical pain that you're feeling now this is my opinion but that physical pain that you feel in your body is you yourself desperately trying to get your attention that there is unfinished business and it just keeps turning up the volume and turning up the volume I was working with somebody once and we were working on a major relationship And like you say, they had this huge pain in their shoulder and they had done all those things you said, chiropractor, uh, physio, massage. And they were so angry because this shoulder was so sore. And they said to me, like, can grief hurt? And I said, well, sometimes, especially as you're releasing it, you can actually feel that. Well, we continued to resolve this particular issue and um, they left. And about 10 minutes later, there's a knock on my door and they come, they come back. And I said, oh, hi. And they said, oh, I just thought you might be interested in knowing that pain is completely gone. Hmm. Right. And this was a major, major issue. But I think so much of the pain that she was feeling wasn't so much to bring her attention to it. She was already working on processing it. I think it was actually physically leaving her body. And a lot of the referrals that I get now are physiotherapists, massage therapists, osteopaths, because if they can't get an adjustment to hold, they're starting to realize it's an emotional block that's in the way. And, you know, one of the questions I get asked is, does someone have to do a lot of inner work to be able to do grief recovery? Yeah. And I have completely changed how I answer that question. I used to say, oh, no, it doesn't matter. You know, you can do these in whatever order, you know, you're called to do them in. But now I 100% support start with the grief. Take that veil off. 
you know, we're walking around in this cloud of darkness as we carry all this unresolved emotion around with us. So if you can start with grief recovery and you can, you know, mend those broken hearts or resolve those unresolved emotions, if there's anything left, it becomes very clear to see what's left. You can save a lot of time and you can save a lot of money by resolving the unresolved emotions first and then carrying on the journey. For people like me who've spent a lifetime in self-discovery, I found this was the missing piece. For me personally, I had I had done so much other work. And like you say, that needling was still there. I was still looping and looping and looping. Didn't matter how many mindset programs I did. Not. No. Right? And yet, when I found grief recovery, I was able to just clear the deck. And I am so protective of this inner peace now. I will not compromise it for anyone because I spent most of my adult life living in fight and flight. And Mm -hmm. I know the cost of not facing this stuff and releasing it. That's a big one is facing it. And it's not easy to do that. Can we give people a glimpse of like what like if someone was to like, you know, what is grief recovery? Like, how do I, like, what do we do? What do like, do I talk about my problems? Like, what is it? Can you just give people like an kind of like a snippet of like what it looks like when they're working through stuff so that they can see that they're, you know, making the best decision for themselves. And like, you know, like they might have to look at stuff that they never wanted to look at before. Like what that, that looks like. Well, I think the best part to start with is this is so different from traditional therapy. It's classified more as an education program. And so when people come to work with me, they work with me for eight weeks. And the first two weeks, they unlearn everything they thought they knew about grief, and they learn all the correct information. And for a lot of people in those first two weeks, they go, oh my gosh, now I see how I got here. Like for the first time, there's an understanding of how this whole grief process works. And then um, because it's so different than therapy, they know as much about me as I know about them when we're done the program, because there's a lot of sharing and we work as a team. So people get really nervous. Well, I won't know how to do it. Well, you don't have to worry because I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you and support you every step of the way. And so the next thing is I share my life story with them. And then I invite them to do the same thing. And because I've shown them how, it's it's easier for them to do. And there's a sense of overwhelm when they think they have to do this. But the program is so structured. You feel that you've got this safety net to actually be able to dump the contents of this box out on the table and really look at them for the first time. And then after they share their losses with me, together we identify what has been left unresolved. And I think the two key components to this program is, yes, you identify it, but we don't leave it there. I show you how to complete. I describe it as the circuit. Your body's looking to complete a circuit from an energy perspective. I show you how to do that. And then the second thing that I think is so important with this process is we can journal till the cows come home. But if we don't complete the emotion and if that completion is not witnessed by another living human being, healing doesn't take place. And so those are the two really big parts to this. You know, not only do I show you and teach you how, but I take you through the steps to complete these unresolved emotions and I witness that healing. And it just goes. The triggers Mm -hmm. just leave. The memory doesn't go. The experience doesn't go. But that emotional hold that it has over our lives, it just dissipates. You're, and I have to say, yeah, you're right. It totally does dissipate. And it's 
in a way that like as I was trying to think I'm like what was the moment that I knew that this program was working and I honestly there's it's not one thing it's the accumulation of like meeting together for like eight weeks um and really the language that we're talking about it the like how we're approaching the situation the ritual that comes from it um is it is a really big one but I have to say like when you're going through it with me like one I don't feel alone I feel a lot under more understood more than any counselor has ever helped me with like because I have done a lot of counseling like over the past like seven years eight years maybe even like a little bit longer than that but this one was different and I think it's because the emotional pain that I was feeling it was I was learning how to do the let it go like I, I was having a hard time letting it go and I think it's because of the ritual that we got to do where I felt seen and heard wrote it down but then it left and it's because I it's a very interesting process that it's very hard to explain but I was trying to think of like when was the moment and when I really knew it was working is like even when I, but the thing I left a lot of my stuff with it and I would not talk to Kevin about it. That's a big one. Cause like, you're like, you're like, nope, don't talk to Kevin. Don't share him with like all these letters that you're doing, et cetera, et cetera. And, but he came to me and was just saying like, wow, there's like, this is like, you're, you're so different. You're the happiest I've ever seen you. And we've been together for 23 years. Like I'm not, and I'm not doing anything different. I'm allowing this process to happen as it needs to. I'm not, even though there might be moments where I'm like, Tammy, I like, I don't feel like I'm doing this wrong. And you're like, no, you're not. It's just like, there's something that's happening where it's hard to understand what's happening, but there's a different person that's starting to show up. There's a different release that's happening. The pain that I used to feel is, has left my body. And I think that it's because of um, people like yourself that really make someone to feel seen and heard. And I definitely was at my breaking point. You saw, saw me at my absolute worst. So that is just really, really helpful. I also wanted to like bring up because like you brought up like a common theme that you're seeing um, in when it comes to moms or people that I just wanted to like bring up like without having a safe place to identify, discuss and complete these unresolved and conflicting emotions, we limit our ability to truly enjoy the experience. And that is 100% an accurate statement. Motherhood is full of conflicting emotions, even though we choose to have the choice to become a mother, even though we love our children, even though we do it all again. Let's stop setting moms up for failure and provide them the opportunity to take this journey with open honesty. We all want this as like a new mom, but it is so hard to be open and honest with like your, how you're really feeling and then bringing it up to people because they're probably feeling the exact same thing that you're feeling, but they don't know how to process it, understand it themselves. And so we want all this. We definitely have had started to open up social media where people can really bring up their emotions and feel like they have a safe space to talk about it. But everyone still says they feel like the judgment, they feel like, you know, the overwhelmness, they feel all these things still, even though we try to share them. Why do you think that happens? I think it's social conditioning. Uh, there's no other word for it. I spent 20 years in the field of early childhood education. And um, I can't remember how long I was in it when I had my first child. And this should have been a a cakewalk for me. I'd went to school for this. I'd looked after babies. Like motherhood should have been such an easy transition for me. I wasn't going into it blind. I had years of experience behind me. And yet I fell into those same emotions everyone else did because we are we are given this movie star kind of image of what motherhood should be. Nobody talks about grieving the life you left behind. Nobody talks about how all of a sudden you are just tied down to this human being that whose very survival depends upon you. They yes. don't talk about the sleep deprivation. Um, my first child was a thrower upper. 
And I can remember one day walking into the family room and I was just sobbing because it was the last clean outfit I had. And he had just projectile vomited all over everything. You know, it it's all of that. And, you know, it, it happens cumulatively. And then, like you say, your self-esteem just starts chipping away yeah. and chipping away and chipping away. And, you know, you, you go to talk to your mother about it. And it's like, we all have been there. We all did it. We all survived. Get over yourself, you know, blah, blah, blah. But just imagine, just imagine if we had a safe place to process these emotions. You know, what about the mom who, who never could get pregnant? What about the mom who had to choose adoption or surrogacy because their body just would not cooperate with them? What about in vitro? What about the natural birth? And what about the mom who has the natural birth who's feeling guilty about talking to the mom who can't have kids? Right. And so there's this pleasure, of emotions that come up. But like everything else around grief, we are encouraged to distract ourselves and bury it. And because we are second guessing every single part of this, we miss the magic that was happening in between, you know, sleep deprivation and vomit all over our clothes and all that other stuff, because we're just feeling so beat up. We're so grief stricken that we cannot enjoy it. But if we could process those emotions and know that what we're feeling is normal and natural, and even like we're talking about, just release them. Well, now when you're tired, you can say, holy shit, like I'm exhausted, but you still are able to see those moments of joy in the day. But when you're just weighed down with all of this unresolved stuff, you know, it's interesting because there's a grief recovery method uh, specialist who has just had her second child. And I've been following her journey on Facebook and she's laying it all out on Facebook. You know, <laughs> this was a good day. This wasn't so good, you know, blah, blah, blah. But she's really doing her best to paint a very realistic view of what this was like. But then you survive motherhood. You survive it. You survive elementary school and high school and the college years and then moving away what I never processed was the empty nesting at all. And my kids are getting close to 40. And it was only about three or four years ago that I went, oh, my goodness, maybe I should do this process on both my kids. And what I realized was intellectually, I had gone through this process just fine. But on an emotional level, I was still trying to be mom to my 30 something kids and they didn't need a mom. They didn't need a mom. They just wanted me as a human being. And so processing those empty nesting emotions really shifted my relationship with my adult kids in yet another positive way. But I think that's the other misconception about grief is we are so taught to do it intellectually. We want to process it. We want to get to the root cause. We want to understand it. We want to problem solve it. Our heart, our heart doesn't speak that language. It's here's what happened. Here's how I feel. Here's how I completed. And so grief is experienced 100% on an emotional level and it's healed 100% on an emotional level. And the intellect just, it doesn't, it doesn't belong there. And that's what happened to me with empty nesting. Yeah, I've done good. I've checked off the boxes and I'm really existing in this in this place with my adult kids in a really good way. But no, I was still trying to mother them and give them advice they didn't ask for and fix things that they didn't want me to fix, right? So this motherhood thing starts from the day we want to have a child and probably goes right through our entire life. And it's full of conflicting emotions that if we really want to enjoy this entire journey, we need to process those so that we can see the joy. So true. I 
that is such an awakening or a new awareness that has ha- like has happened for myself where like before, you know, because you're, you have this entrepreneur spirit and you think that you're going to be able to do it all. And in some way you can, but you're not present. Like when you kind of have the, both of those worlds married together. And so, you know, there's such a conflicting pain, but there's like some sort of acceptance that has to start coming with like it so that you can find the joy in it, like knowing that this is a part of your life and how can you really just, you know, be present the whole way through. And it's hard to do that until you start processing a lot of the emotions, a lot of the understanding of like, you know, where you're at, like maybe, you know, part of it is that, um, you know, like the letting go, it was like, you had an idea of what you wanted your life to look like, but then it's like, it's not like looking the way you thought it would. And then you're feeling like some sort of guilt about that. But the process of like the, that we went through together has enabled me to be a lot more open and aware and accepting of the person that I am now. And that has it's brought in different confidence in myself and, and and my self-esteem has went up tremendously. And the thing is like, I'm not saying this like, because, you know, I'm trying to like get people to join and sign up with yourself. I'm saying this because, you know, I've had a, a husband, a boyfriend that's been with me more than the majority of my life now. And he's noticed this and has said it to me. And so there's something to be said that, um, that motherhood, all these things that we are going through, like, if we're not, if we're just like scrolling on social media, and trying to find all the answers, it's very hard to find the answers and all these weeds. And then, you know, because we're really not processing that when we're doing that, we're just like, we're trying to be something or we're wanting to be something. And we're, or we're longing for something that's like, very unattainable because the person that we have to have the relationship with first and foremost is with yourself. Like, so that you can be the person that you've sought out to be, but it's very hard when you're longing for something on social media and not dealing with it. This was the hardest work I think I've ever done was with yourself. And it was very hard because like one of the things like that we have to do when you, when we work together is like, you have to, we have to do something that write our letter to ourselves And I can tell you that when, you know, when you told me that, but like, but you're like, but we're going to, you're going to have to be the last person to do that. Like you're the last letter. And what I wanted to say at the beginning to to myself, to what I said at the end was like completely night and day. Cause like, I, I would, I hated the person that I was. I was so freaking disappointed. I was emotional wreck. I was like, you know, my middle finger is just up right now, but like, it was just like, oh my God, screw you, Amanda. It wanted to be all of those things because of how much anger that I felt towards everything that like, you know, and I didn't want Nathan to feel any of these things. So that's why I would do like all behind closed doors. But then some sort of thing happened near the middle where I started having a lot more compassion for the person that I was. And it's a lot more love for her because there's, there's a, there became more of an acceptance that I, I started letting go of all this pain because of how the, the, how our process went together. And I say all these things because this is like, I'm just being open and honest like that, you know, I wanted to be this influencer on social media. I wanted to do all this and have all this and move like into being a tropical place. I wanted all these things. And that's like the last thing I want now. I want to just be with my family. I want to be with my son. I want him to see it by me by my best where I'm like proud of myself. You know, I don't need all these like bells and whistles like I thought I used, I needed before, like all this validation. The validation that I needed was with myself. And it is because of people like yourself is what helped me get there. And that's why I'm so grateful. And that's why I wanted to talk to have you on this podcast today, because I do believe in my heart that a lot of people are dealing with a lot of grief, especially the past like few years where we haven't had the best birth, the best uh, way you wanted to bring in a human to this world. You had to be isolated. You had to wear a mask. You had to do, you know, and be alone. And you had no friends around you. You had like the least support system. You had all these things. And then on top of that, like you have to become like this person, like the, like that you want to be, but you have a hard time getting there. And it's because of people like yourself are what making a difference in this world. And I'm so grateful that you, uh, that I got to, that we met 
each other and that you helped myself to get to where I am so proud of myself. And that's why I just wanted to say that to you. Um, I guess like I've said it to you before, but I just wanted to say it again. So thank you. And Amanda, I want to say too, like the process is amazing, but it doesn't work if you don't do the work and you showed up, you rolled your sleeves up, you looked this stuff straight in the eye and that's what gets you to the other side and um i think you've said it when you're in a safe environment and you feel that support Mm -hmm. it's much easier to kind of go to those places that we didn't really want to look at because i really have come to believe that the truth sets us free we just look at that and The longer I do this work, the more I realize two things. One is it's our expectations of ourselves and others that lead us down this grief road. You know, we we have so many expectations of the would have, could have, should have, right? So we learn to process those. But I think this is probably one of the greatest self-development programs there is it may be a grief program and that may turn a lot of people away like well no I don't want to do that but you have just summarized it so well in the fact that one of the things you really find that you lost is yourself when you do this program Mm -hmm. I truly believe that Thank you so much for coming on the Health and Guelph podcast. Tammy, where can people find out more about you? Uh, They can visit my website at uh, tadams.ca or they can email me at tdadams at rogers.com. Um, and they can follow me on Facebook because I'm on there all the time. (laughs) Yeah. You're so active and I love your fireside chats that you do, but I also love that you're just like a little fireball on it too. So (laughs) thank you so much for being on here. I hope that you guys really enjoyed this, um, very special episode. This is probably one of my favorites that I've done so far. And I'm just so grateful for you, Tammy. Have a good one. Thanks, Amanda. Thank you for listening to the Health in Guelph podcast. This show would simply not exist without you. If you know somebody in the community who would be a great candidate to be on this show, send them my way and email me at amanda at relevenrise.com. And what keeps us going and staying on the forefront is liking, commenting, and subscribing. Please share this podcast so we can keep this community connected. Thank you, Guelph, and stay strong.